0: Good afternoon, folks. Welcome to another exciting edition of Afternoons here on 770 CHQR. My name is Andrew Lawton with you for the next three hours in for Rob and Angela this afternoon. Hope you are having a great day. We are going to have lots to discuss when we get the final announcements regarding the budget. That should be coming down the line in about an hour here. But in the meantime, I wanted to get into a very serious topic, and I I don't want to spare another second in introducing my next guest on this. Cheryl Superior, who's the Director of Policy for Canada at the Foundation for Defence of Democracies, had a simply spectacular piece in the Financial Post that looks at a problem that is a fairly widespread one in the Western world, and Canada is no exception to that. But unfortunately, there is a dearth of conversation around this issue, and a lot of people that it doesn't seem like are willing or able to even tackle it. Cheryl joins me on the line. The piece is entitled, Extremist Foreign Funding in Canada Needs to be Addressed. Cheryl, good to talk to you again. Thanks so much for coming on the show today. Oh, Cheryl, can you hear me there?
1: I can hear you just fine.
0: All right, perfect. Sorry about the glitch there. Let's talk about the nature of this, because whenever you speak of an issue like this, you're always going to get this contingent that feels it's just some big old conspiracy. But it's actually astonishing how much information there is out there that tackles how this is a problem. Oh,
1: absolutely. Radicalization is a very real problem here in Canada, and frankly, all Western countries, and actually non-Western countries, too, are all dealing with it and all are trying to come to terms with the problem and come up with creative solutions. And the Canadian government has has professed its commitment to combating radicalization. It said it wanted to be the best in the world on this, and it put $35 million into its new Canada Centre for Community Engagement and Prevention of Violence. And I think that this bill that they voted down, uh, Bill C-371, would have been perfectly compatible with all the things the government has said about wanting to combat radicalization. So I think for people who are kind of serious about these issues, serious about preventing terrorism, serious about preventing radicalization here in Canada, this was a big disappointment.
0: It is important because there are always going to be cases where someone just radicalizes themselves online and maybe they do something, maybe they try to bring other people to the cause. But more often than not, when we hear of Westerners that have become involved in radical groups, there was someone else that helped usher them along, whether it was through a school or through a mosque or through some other existing community group. And in a lot of cases, you can follow the money back to one of a few major culprits overseas.
1: Well, that's exactly right. And you know it's true that um, online, it's very, very difficult to contain, but it's usually not um, hermetically sealed like that. There usually is another source that is helping to radicalize a person. And this bill is really helping, primarily to protect Canadian kids and young people. And it was a way of actually preempting radicalization rather than trying to cope with its aftermath, which I thought was a really important feature of this bill. It said that Canadian... Uh, schools, religious centers, and cultural centers would not be allowed to receive any donations from countries that are designated by Ottawa as promoting radicalization. And there were a handful that probably would have met the threshold that uh, was provided in the bill. And I think that it would have actually helped to prevent um people from from learning that it's okay to chop off arms in downtown Toronto because you hold improper religious beliefs
0: We already have, as I understand it, fairly strict rules surrounding funding from groups that are designated by Ottawa to be terrorist groups. And we actually saw this with a charity a few years back, Irfan Canada, that was implicated and ultimately had its charitable status revoked over money that was alleged to have gone to Hamas. And I'm wondering why that doesn't go far enough when we have a mechanism already that allows government to designate a terror group. And if that fits the bill, any funding from there would also be off limits.
1: Well, I think that's a good point. And Canada's laws surrounding terrorist financing, while not perfect, are good. They are strong. But radicalization is the fuel of terrorism. So it's kind of a step beforehand. And so what we're trying to do is prevent that help. This bill wouldn't have prevented all radicalization everywhere in Canada. But it would have made a dent in it. And preventing that radicalization would have helped prevent that terrorism. So I see radicalization as the step before terrorism.
0: Yeah, and that's a very important point because no one just wakes up one day and says, you know, I'm going to go and, and blow this building up. There's an escalation, and whether that escalation is known to other people notwithstanding, it, it doesn't happen overnight. And the radicalization process, we've seen it happen time and time again. There was that Aaron Driver case from Strathroy, Ontario, a year and a half ago, and again, this was something where it was the internet, but it was known, and it was a gradual process. And when you do have groups that can be very clearly linked and very clearly connected, it seems foolish the government wouldn't make that a priority.
1: Yes, I agree with you. And, and you know, has uh, put forward a report recently that said that it had studied about 100 cases of radicalized Canadians and said that it takes about a year for a radicalized person to actually escalate to that point of being mobilized to violence or to terrorism. So this is a problem that all of our security services are fully acknowledging. And this bill, again, could have helped to stem that problem so why the government wouldn't even allow the bill to get to committee for it to be studied for um, experts to come and testify is kind of mystifying
0: yes and especially as you've noted in the past as well when you have de-radicalization as a strategy why not preventative i mean this is the approach that we try to do with healthcare. why not with radicalization if we can even impact significantly before the radicalization is even a problem
1: That's exactly right. And I, you know, I didn't mean to be facetious about it, I think, in a previous um, interview, but, you know, it's better to prevent community groups and schools from becoming radicalization centers in the first place than to have to set up a counter radicalization center for $35 million after Canadians have already become radicalized. Right. Like, let's let's take a step back here.
0: Does combating the money combat the ideas, though, or is there a, a less clear correlation between those two?
1: Well, it's not just the bunny. I mean, the point is that if Iran or Saudi Arabia is giving millions of dollars to a particular mosque, you can bet that the bent of the um, messaging from that mosque is going to be based on that Khomeiniist or Wahhabi uh, view of the world, which is going to be one that's extremely intolerant of, of difference. That's going to be one that promotes violence at the drop of a hat. So... It's, it's not just the money itself, it's that money gives you influence over the message.
0: Yes, and I think there also needs to be, and this piece of yours raises this question, a much bigger national discussion in Canada on state sponsors of terrorism. I know that the Conservative government previously had a very hard line on Iran cutting diplomatic ties. I know Saudi Arabia, though, has been one where we've rewarded them with with military equipment contracts. So if we start to understand more as a country what it is that these nations are, are doing with their money overseas, I think there'd be a lot more of an appetite to embrace something like Tony Clement's bill.
1: I think that's true. And yes, uh, there there is a separate system of state sponsors of terror, of which Iran and Syria are currently the only states on that list, which I think is, again, something that could be improved upon. But we're not saying that with the countries that are designated, let's say, as ones promoting radicalization, that Canada can't do business with these countries. It's simply saying that if you do believe that violence is the answer to Difference, then you're not going to be allowed to be involved in educating and influencing our children here in Canada.
0: Cheryl Saperia joining me on the line, director of policy for Canada at the Foundation for Defense of Democracy. Cheryl, thanks so much for your time today.
1: My pleasure, Andrew. Thank you.
0: All right. All the best to you. This is a big issue, and and I, it's very predictable the response that you get. I already got one message from someone here who says anything done about alt right white supremacists, or is this just targeting visible minorities? And laughably. I didn't say anything about minorities. I didn't say anything about race. I didn't even say anything about religion except for referencing that mosques do unfortunately play a role in radicalization when you are talking about mosques that are under the thumb of groups promoting radicalization. If you can show me an orchestrated foreign funding campaign that is recruiting alt-right white supremacist terrorists, then yes, I'll cede your point. But the fact is, domestic radicalization issues are in fact coming from radical Islam. And I'm not going to apologize for saying that, because it isn't racist, it's factual. And by the way, most Muslims are the ones that would line up and agree with that problem, because they themselves want their religion purged and cleansed of this scourge that is radicalism, that is hijacking their faith. When we come back in a couple of moments talking about this further here on the Andrew Lawton hosted edition of Afternoons on 770 CHQR. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 12.30 on News Talk 770 Calgary.